All right, what's up, everyone? It is 121 East Coast time here in the Barclay Center. Uh, that's where I am right now. My name is Luke Thomas. You might know me from SiriusXM as well as MMAfighting.com. A uh, bit of a warning. There might be some noise going on. Take a look around. You can see all the journalists here. Uh, behind me, where this black thing is, this uh, curtain, behind that is where the press conference is going to be. So people are going to be coming and going, and you might hear some noise. So I'll do the best I can. I got headphones in, so the mic here does the best job uh, of communicating. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. So here's how it's going to work. In five, four, three, two, one, we are going to do spoilers. Last warning, last warning, last warning. Okay, welcome. UFC 208 results. Where do we begin? All right. How about that main event? Holly Holm losing to Jermaine Durandamy via unanimous decision. Jermaine Durandamy winning 48-47 on all three judges' scorecards. Now, how did I score it? I scored it 48-47 for Holm. However, I do not fully stand by that. And Here's what I mean. First two rounds were Jermaine Durandamy's, no question about it. After that, however, it was very hard to say exactly what was going on. It was really tight contest. As they noted on the broadcast, Holm was landing more. Jermaine Durandamy was landing with more authority. Early on, here's what was happening. Jermaine Durandamy was happy to slide back and counter in the pocket, especially with the rights. You were noticing that after the 1-2, Holly was getting caught. She made adjustments during the course of that fight to throw a 1-2 and lean. You saw that a couple times. She would lean throw, let's say, a body kick at the end of it. But nevertheless, early on, she was getting chewed up. So to me, the first two rounds, clear as day, Jermaine Durandamy. After that, though, I'm not saying if you scored it for Jermaine Durandamy, you were wrong. I'm not saying if you scored it for Holly, you were wrong. I need to go back and look at what the stats say after the fact. I'm sure they'll say that Holly threw and landed more. But again, you know that doesn't tell us about the quality of the impact. And I think just from judging it with the eyeball test, uh, Jermaine won that. But it's always a question of how much of a lesser impact in terms of frequency counteracts with the overall amount of uh, volume. It should also be noted that some journalists came back here and they were like, it's clear as day, four to one, five to five to zero, Jermaine Duran to me, even with some of the clinching that went on, apparently inside the arena, it had a very different feel than it did back here. I think most observers back here scored it for Holly. Most observers in the arena scored it for uh, Jermaine. So there is something to be said for discrepancies based on viewpoint. Uh, I'm not saying that we have the best perspective back here with the TVs, not saying that they have the best perspective in rows, whatever that they were in, although the ones right on media row um, certainly have a, a decent seat. I'm just saying, um, I don't think it's a robbery either way. I don't think it, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I think what does bother me was the officiating in that fight, which was absolutely dreadful. You have a fighter hit after the bell, not once, but twice. And here's the important part about that. She wasn't even warned. Jermaine Duran to me, insofar as I can tell, until the second time she did it. That is absolutely egregious. That is totally negligent. And I understand that sometimes fighters in the heat of the moment, they can lose themselves. And that's that's not okay, but it's understandable. That does not, therefore, remove the referee's responsibility to intervene there. And a lot of referees don't want to intervene because they say things like, we don't want to influence the outcome. Well, guess what? You influence the outcome by not doing your job. That absolutely, no doubt about it, necessitated taking a point not the first time necessarily but certainly on the second you almost never see a fighter strike like that twice after the bell outrageous totally outrageous so um, i can believe that jermaine Durandamy 
certainly didn't intend to do that in, in her rational mind. She got caught up in the moment. I think we have to be forgiving of fighters to an extent. Um, maybe you don't want to, but I believe that. What I can't believe is that the referee didn't warn her after the first and only warned her after the second. And when he warned her after the second, he said something to the effect of, if you do it again, I'll take a point. Really? Word, bro? She has to hit someone after the bell three times before you take a point? That's insane. That's completely insane. So, you know, if you had her winning, I think you can make a very compelling argument for Duran to me. If you had home winning, I think there's a way to argue that as well. What I don't think you can argue is that that official shouldn't have taken a point the second time. I think that is totally, totally insane that he didn't do that. I think you now know that referees like Herb Dean make mistakes, but he is several orders of magnitude better than the gentleman we had in there tonight, who was probably a decent guy and a good person and a referee who's suitable for lower-level MMA, but this was above his pay grade, uh, insofar as I can tell. So Durandami looked good in a number of spots. We already mentioned how she was able to slide back and counter. I think you saw a really nice contrast in styles between Holm and Durandami. Um, I thought Holm made some nice adjustments. I think one of the things I really noticed was the wrestling. She clearly has improved, but the finesse that it takes to really get these takedowns to work, you know, some of us just take it for granted that someone collapses another one in the UFC and then the other person goes to the ground. You can see it's just not automatic for her. It's a work in progress. And there was one time, I think, in that fifth round where she had actually hurt Durandami and maybe even clocked her with an elbow and then dove in for a double. And Durandami had double underhooks and, she, and Holm was still trying for a takedown. Like, if you're still trying for a takedown when someone's got double underhooks, there's a problem. You know, if it was just to initiate a clinch or to keep a clinch, okay, fine. But if, if she, like, actually thought in that juncture that there was a takedown possibility there, you know, there's, there's, there's some work. You could tell, man, she was just a little bit off on that. She needs another solid year, it seems to me, of wrestling training before uh, these will come a little bit more natural to her. And you can see why guys who are lifelong wrestlers can do these kinds of things relatively easily. Um, I'm trying to think of like, what else about that fight sort of stood out to me. It's, you know, home now, three losses in a row. This is, this is a fairly devastating state of affairs for her. She has the world in her palm in November of 2015, beating Ronda Rousey. And then she loses to Misha Tate um, after a fight she was winning. She then goes and faces Valentina Shevchenko and just got beat. You know, not like crushed, but Shevchenko was the clear winner. And then tonight, again, I think you can make a case that she won, um, but it wasn't, you know, she didn't put her foot on the gas. And I know that she had been called the Buster Douglas of MMA by Juliana Pena. I find this to be a terribly um, unfair label, if for no other reason than you know, she had accomplished a lot in another combat sport and then matriculated uh, over to MMA. Buster Douglas was had done had had no real noteworthy achievements prior to the Tyson fight, and certainly didn't have any after that either. But um, it, it's just automatically not a correct comparison. But certainly that whether a comparison is correct does not mean that it won't stick. And I'm wondering what's going to happen now. I wonder if she'll go back to bantamweight and take an easier fight. I'm wondering if she'll just call it quits. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen for her. For Jermaine Durand me, who had a relatively uh, unimpressive UFC run, given her extraordinarily distinguished background in Muay Thai kickboxing, this has to be a high watermark. 
you have now another U European champion uh, in the UFC. She has, of course, I mean, she's naturally Dutch, but um, she had moved back to Holland, right? So that's a good thing for them. I'm not sure who saw that coming at the beginning of the year, but here we are. Um, and, you know, there's some positive things to take away from her performance. Like, she really had, I think, early on, uh, she had a lot going for her. But here's what I know. Even if, if Holly had won, and she didn't, it doesn't matter really to me who won this fight. Did anyone see anything in this contest that will lead you to believe that Cyborg won't torch either of them? Uh, I, I don't see that. Uh, I mean, Cyborg, if she wants to take down, she can get it. Um, if she's, I'm not saying Drain to me won't be able to land on her, um, but you get the idea, right? Um, you can see her getting overwhelmed as well. And she's just a sort of a physical bruiser who can back people up. And if she has an advantage on the ground, she'll take it. She has excellent takedowns. Um, I think no matter what, Cyborg's going to easily take this title. So the question is when it's going to happen. Because now Drain to me says after the fight, well, uh, my hand is needs surgery, so who knows? <laughs> who knows when we're going to see that fight? But there's your women's featherweight champion, Jermaine Durandamy, defeating Holly Holm uh, in the way that she did. Kind of a kind of a crazy, crazy night here. Now that leads us to the co-main event: Anderson Silva defeating. I want to get these scores right, just so I don't botch this, um, because this one really kind of bothered me. And I know there was a fair amount of controversy about this. So Anderson Silva defeats Derek Brunson, 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27. Okay. What can we say about this? I think we can say, I don't know how on earth you can score this for Anderson Silva. Now, I have seen the arguments against Brunson, and they basically amount to he didn't do a whole lot. Um, even when he got the takedown, it wasn't like he was passing or really hammering him. Contrast that with what Glover Teixeira did against Jared Cannonier, which we'll get to in a minute. You know, he, he just didn't do necessarily a ton with it in that third round. I would agree. Um, you know, he was landing in the clinch when Silva would tie up. He was sort of punching his way through it. You know, he was digging. But how much of that was really influencing things? I would agree. I don't. I don't think any of that is necessarily wrong. But the question is... This is not the same as like home versus Duran to me, where one person was throwing a, a you know a frequency of, or a, even in this case a low frequency of output, and it had a relatively negligible effect. Um, this is a case where one of the guys just didn't do hardly anything at all. Now he had his moments; he was catching him with counter hooks in certain exchanges. He had decent wrestling taken defense, although some of those shots were from way outside. That was just to initiate contact. Um, I can give him the second round, Anderson Silva. So to me, a 29-28 Brunson scorecard is totally justifiable. How on earth do you get a 30-27? How do you give him a third round scorecard where he got, you could say Brunson didn't do much. Right, he got the takedown and Silva just stalled on the ground. Remember how he had the, we talked about it in the, in the Monday Morning Analyst or whatever long ago. And by the way, the press conference has started behind me. When he had the lockdown and he just stalled, he stalled on the ground here too. Uh, to me, if the bottom guy is stalling after getting taken down, leave him there as far as I'm concerned. So then in the first round, okay, it was reasonably close. Again, I'm not saying Brunson set the world on fire. Believe me, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if Brunson didn't set the world on fire, so would it even less. I, I don't know how you can give him two rounds. I don't know how on earth you can give him three rounds. How is that possible? 
how on earth is that possible? Uh, it's just not, it's not, is the answer. It's not. Um, he lost that fight. And I know he's got a lot of supporters. I know he's got a lot of fans. I know a lot of you are doing this right now, and that's fine. I don't, I don't really care. Um, Derek Brunson won that fight, or at least he should have won that fight. And that is a absolutely shambolic judging. Even if I agree that like Brunson didn't go in there and impress the world, trust me, he didn't. But definitely whatever he did, so did a lesser version of that. Um, that being said, does that mean he won't get a title shot? I don't think it does. I think he could easily get one after this. Now, Jacques Array had the most impressive performance of the night, but Silva has the biggest name. Silva's that guy. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with this. We're going to have to wait and find out. But I don't know how on in the main event, you want to score for Duran to me, even four to one, five to zero, fine, whatever. I think those are all very either close, clear rounds for Jermaine Duran to me or close rounds. They can go either way. Fine. In the main event or co main event, I don't see how on earth you can put two rounds together for Amos Silva, much less three. Even if you, okay, at least meet me this way. Even if you think he won two rounds, how did he win all three? Surely something should be said about that. In any event. So, Anderson Silva, though, given the name that he has, given the reputation, given everything else, this is a guy who is uh, potentially poised for a title shot. And I think a lot of people want to see that Bisping versus Silva, too. I think a lot of people thought Silva won the first one or knocked him out at the end of that third. Um, and they might do it. They really might. To me, I think Joel Romero is your, is your, is your top dog, but... We'll see what we'll see what uh, WME decides to do. Um, Silva ha had his characteristic dad bod. It was very emotional at the end of the fight. You could see it meant a lot to him. And obviously, you know, a legend like that, you 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 want to see them prosper as long as they can. So, um, so I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, I, I did think that I, one thing I liked from him that was better was he was a little bit more aggressive. You know, even counterfighting, he was still pressuring to elicit a reaction. And then responding, I thought that was pretty good. Brunson, you know, uh, there's always like, oh, you got to beat the champ to be the champ, which is not true. That's not how the unified rules work. And that kind of logic is sort of being brought in here. But I will say, you know, I thought Brunson won cleanly, like not even a contest. But it was also like not a strong performance from him in any real capacity either. Like he has to take a long look in the mirror and decide that's really if you you know you could have done more you know you did and you didn't and you know you don't get judges who are very good and this is what you get um Jacare submitting Tim Boach at 3:41 of the first round man this was an easy call right this felt like Scott Coker matchmaking didn't it give a guy a fight where he is the other guy's a reasonable test but with all the skills that the other person has it should win no problem and that's exactly what he did. He went in there and uh, Tim Boach had a good takedown defense at first. You know, this is a guy who was a D1 wrestler. But over time, Jacques Array mixed it up, shot in, took him down, passed, took up that Kimura. And when he had the Kimura, he stepped over the head. Bro, it was lights out after that. Great performance of Jacques Array. He called out Michael Bisping. I don't think he'll get it now, especially since Anderson Silva won. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with Jacques Array going forward. Do they make a Romero rematch? Maybe they do that? I don't really know. Um... As for Tim Boach, what does this do? I think he was on, let me see his record here. You can hear Glover Teixeira talking behind me. Yeah, he was on a two-fight win streak. And so now he's 2-1 and one in his last three. But he's also ooh, 36 years old. So it's an open question about how much longer he might be doing this. Um, for Jacques Array, this was a great win, great way to make some money. 
Um, great way to, 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 to stamp this card, but it's just in the WME era, it's hard to know exactly what that's going to get him. But it was academic for him, you know, easy passed him out. I thought Jim Boach was good when Jacare went one way and then tried to go back to the left. Tim Bush had in the left butterfly hook guard to stop him, but then Jacare just sort of tripoded up and then took them out. And from there, it was just Jacare's show, you know, pretty easy. Glover uh, Teixeira, who can hear behind me, defeating Jared Cannonier. Cannonier is a little bit old for a prospect, but I had a little bit of high hopes for him because I thought in, in a couple of his fights he's shown tremendous cardio. I thought he has shown uh, great um, uh, patience with his offense, good striking, big power. Um, he's got a lot of things going for him, but he clearly has to work on his takedown defense in this one. And this one and every other one he'll have. Um, you know, he has great defensive guard work underneath. You, Glover Teixeira even talked about that after the fight. You saw that in the Kutaleba fight. You saw that in this one as well. It's just that Glover's just too too good on the ground. You know, Cannonier had just enough jujitsu to protect himself and not let the fight get too far out of hand when it was on the ground, but that was it, right? We've, we talked about it before. Levels of jiu-jitsu, survive, defend, attack, and that was defend. And at some point, it was a little bit towards survival, but you get the idea. So he was just outmatched on the ground. Maybe it'll be a learning experience for Jared Cannonier. Maybe this will um, be a turning point for him. He's a little bit old for being a prospect, but it's just sad because uh, you know I still have high hopes for him. But between him and Misha Sukunov, who apparently is not going to get re-signed by the UFC. I thought these two guys were going to be, you know, not the next big thing necessarily at light heavyweight, but sort of taking over the division or, or at least introducing new uh, interesting prospects and contenders. Kananir uh, loses, and Sirkunov may not even be in the UFC anymore. So it's a little bit of a bummer, to put it mildly. Uh, you know, he had his moments at the end of the first, rocking Glover to share, you could tell. Um, good win for Glover, though, you know. Glover just shows, like, if you can't beat you one way, he'll beat you the next. And when, if, you, if anyone has a winner of Glover Teixeira, you got to really appreciate it. You know, John Jones took him five rounds, but he did it. Anthony Johnson obviously you know, blew his brains out, but um, he's a super, super talented guy. He can really do a ton of things. A real developed mixed martial artist um, who just has a ton of options, crafty veteran, knows what he needs to do to win, uh, knows how to spot weaknesses, knows how to game plan around his strengths for the most part. I mean, Anthony Johnson fight, you know, oof. but even then he got blown out so quickly. What can you really say? Um, so really strong win for him. Really great job by him. Uh, credit to him. And it's a good win to get back on the winning track after getting blasted like that. You know, after a guy needs a win and he needs a win after getting brutally knocked out, they're going to take steps that are going to be potentially a safety first or a stick to the strength kind of thing. And in this particular case, he did that and he did it in a way where it was, we had a skill differential as well. So um, I, I don't know that you can blame him too much. You know what I mean? Uh, and then Dustin Poirier and Jim Miller putting on a hell of a fight. Poirier did not come back here, by the way. Um, he had to be taken to the hospital. So hopefully he's okay. We, don't, we have not had an update, as, as I understand it. But uh, I'm hoping he's okay. We'll see how that goes. Um, this was amazing. It was a classic fight from both guys in, in many ways. Jim Miller, I think, having some great success in the Gotham Department with some of his savvy his ability to like identify openings from mistakes that guys make through either too much hustle or not enough finesse, snatch onto it, right? But at the same time, it was also a very great Poirier fight where he's taking those shots a little too comfortably to the face, you know? But uh, he's headhunting and he's just blasting guys, you know? 
uh, and for Jim Miller to last the way he did. Also, how about Jim Miller with those calf kicks, the outside leg kicks, the inside leg kicks, going on both rear and front leg? Oh, man, really great from Jim Miller. So, you know, Dustin Poirier did enough to win, especially getting that takedown when he needed it, and he's he's a black belt himself, as is Jim Miller. So being able to neutralize just about everything that he needed to to be able to be successful on top and not take a ton of risks but be able to, 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 to hold on to for dear life as the fight um, approached its, uh, its end. But uh, it was good to see the support to get back on track. He really needed that win. I think he felt particularly bothered by the loss to Michael Johnson. I think it's one thing you talk to was Dustin Poirier, and if he lo loses to a guy who's just better than him, a lot of guys won't admit that, but Dustin Poirier is one of these guys where it's like, I just didn't fight the way I should, and I didn't fight up to my potential, or, or, or even something like, you know, the other guy just was really on that night. It, it, I'm not saying that Michael Johnson wouldn't beat him again, but in Dustin Poirier's mind, he lost that by his 1,000% by taking an improper approach to that fight that was a very easily correctable mistake. And it ate at him. You could see it during fight week. And this was, I think, for him, ultimately, a pretty redemptive performance, you know, in the end. So um, so good for him, right? I'm, I'm glad to see that. We'll see what Jim Miller has been on a great win streak. I don't think he's done by any stretch and tough as nails to stand up to some of the pressure bombing of Dustin Poirier in the way that he did. Really, really strong stuff from him. Uh, Bilal Muhammad defeating Randy Brown. The prelim card on this event was just not particularly interesting. It was only one submission, one finish, which was the Jacare fight, but the prelim car was fairly uh, uneventful. So Bilal Muhammad defeating uh, Randy Brown, Wilson Hayes defeating Oka Sasaki. Wilson Hayes, um, just a tremendous grappler, obviously. Uh, Sasaki had the back in the end, but it was more from error than anything else. Uh, Islam Makachev just sort of using top control to and, and better wrestling to out Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz. Um, Rick Glenn defeating Felipe Nover, a weird scorecard, 27-30, and then two 29-28s. I don't know how they got that 27-30, some weird judging here tonight in Brooklyn. And then Ryan LaFleur having a pretty decent fight against Juan Carnero, 30-26, 30-27, and then 29-28. Another one of those cards that shows that like there can be interpretation based on how things went. Um, if you've got a question, I will take it on Twitter, at SBN Luke Thomas. I will look at them now. Uh, this felt like a fight night card for some reason, but what do you think about the commentators tonight? Great question. So we had the three guys in the booth, John Anik, who seems quite silent, um, Daniel Cormier, and Joe Rogan. Personally, I'm not necessarily a fan of the three-man booth. I like all three guys. I like Anik, I like Cormier, I like Rogan. I thought they were good enough as broadcasters to make it work. It wouldn't be my preferred choice. Uh, I prefer to see them in duos. I do think that the HBO boxing team of Lampley, Anik, and Roy Jones is tremendous. And those guys work really well together. Maybe these guys will work into that role. But it seemed to me like Cormier and Rogan were talking so much at first that Anik just was like, uh, hey, watch this movie. Corn nuts to the core. This person was born in Utrecht. Here's the fight. And then he just was silent. So I'd rather see a little bit more back and forth, but um, but I don't I don't think in any way it was a failure. I just think the two-man thing is a little better for me personally, but your mileage may vary. Let's see. So it says UFC is at a crossroads at the moment. They've got mainstream attention, but with that, the new fans only want entertainment. Maybe. 
Well, says Holly kind of was telegraphing that straight jab kick. Yes, she was. That's how she got timed. I don't see changing levels crossed. That's what Shevchenko and GDR won. But that was more true early. As it went out through the course of the fight, especially from the third round on, she was able to uh, angle and turn. Is that Gareth Davis behind me? No. Someone says it looks like um, Megan Anderson versus Cyborg for the women's interim 145-pound belt. God, kill me if that's true. Am I wearing beats? Yes, these are my throwaways. So it says, I want a UFC refund. Not a great night of fights. I can agree with that. Weird scoring, weird officiating. Not a great night. If Holm was knocked out by either of those cheap shots, this would have been a no contest, right? Or a disqualification, depending on what they would have done. Mm-hmm. This is the worst era of UFC champions. They win it, then start ducking or looking for money fights. Okay. Someone made this edit on Wikipedia. I can't see it. I can't see that one either. What did you think of the Doug Crosby, Nick Lentz connection? And is it a potential conflict of interest? Did he judge that fight? Hold on, let me see. That's a great question. Let me look at that scorecard now. Uh, yes, he did. Although he scored it for Makachev. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Why is he scoring that? That's a great question. Douglas Crosby, I think, and Nick Lentz have a friendship. Uh, that's a great question about why he was doing that. I'm not sure, but I'm glad you raised that. I'll look into it. Thank you. Uh, Wilson Hayes was supposed to fight DJ just months ago. What can turn the flyweight division around as far as contenders? I don't know. Back here, he said he was like, it has to be Demetrius Johnson for me, but I don't see that they're not going to give it to Joseph Benavidez. The ref was shit, didn't take a point away. He was in between them, blocking them from each other before round four even ended. Yeah, he jumped in kind of early at the end there as well. So it says, in my opinion, the Brunson Silver refs would have seemingly given home the fight. I think you mean the judges, probably. I don't know. How much of a pickle is the UFC in? Obviously, events in New York are a boon to the UFC, but the New York State Athletic Commission has a lot of work to do. Yes, they do. Uh, I think it'd be better if they kept bringing fight night cards here to get them trained up a little bit. Jacare performance of the night, Poirier Miller fight of the night. Uh, let's see. Your fight of the night, Poirier versus Miller. Performance of the night, Souza attendance, 15,628. And gate, 2 point, basically 3 million. Um, Ian McCall. I can't even get into Ian McCall, man. I feel so bad for him. What do you think of the contract negotiations between Misha Sukunov and everyone else? Uh, we'll have to see. I hope that the UFC is just bluffing or, you know, mad and they'll change their opinion. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. Where does Anderson Silva go from here? He might go right to a title shot. He might. Um, okay. I've been at this a while, I believe. So, look, not a great night of fights necessarily. Um, we're going to have a ton of stuff on this YouTube channel tonight. We're recording the presser stuff. So, 
Thank you for watching. Email me at luke.thomas at sbnation.com. Please give it a like. Share it around. I appreciate you watching. I got more work to do. It's 1.49 at night. I have more work to do, but you should get some sleep.